Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable, a podcast with Dr. Conway Edwards, where our goal is to help you increase your leadership capacity. Let's get ready for today's episode. Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable, a podcast with Dr. Conway Edwards, where we get together every month and talk about how we can expand and help you expand your leadership capacity. And um, hey, how are you doing today, Pastor Conway? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, and I'm really excited about this topic because I care deeply about the future of the church and about transitions, and I think this is where a lot of churches get stuck, and so I am excited to talk about it's gonna be good. this particular topic today. So Before you get started, though, yeah, there's yeah, something yeah. coming up. Okay. There's something coming up in January um, called the Climb Leadership Conference. That's right. Tell us about that. Well, I, if I were you, I would bring as many of my team members that I can, and I would make sure that I'm here no matter what. And so it's whenever you get a chance for somebody else to pour into your leaders, it is just like... Uh, steroids. It literally is because your leaders get to hear things that you've been saying for a long time, um, but sometimes it doesn't hit right. When somebody else says it, they kind of get it yes. and they can go from there. Yes. So I think this conference, the CLIMB conference, will be helpful for you and your team. If I were you, here's what I would not do. I wouldn't come alone. I'd bring somebody with me <laughs> yes. so that we can go to the 48 sessions that we have. Somebody can go to one of those breakout sessions and just learn a whole lot. So hope to see you there. Yeah. Climb-leadership.com. Climb-conference. I'm sorry. You'll see it um, on the show notes and on our webpage. And you can check those all out at visit1cc.com slash leadership roundtable. That's where you can follow along and download what we're talking about today. It's generational leadership shifts. And we talked about this in our last episode for the younger generation. And mm -hmm. today we're going to talk about the more seasoned generation shifts that we need to make if we're over 40. Yeah, so one of, our, one of our desires as a church, and I hope it is for every pastor, is that we hand the church off better than we received it. One of the ways we get stuck is in these transitions. And so, Pastor Matt, let's talk about it from the perspective of the over 40 now. And the what we over have to 40, with. yes. We have 11 shifts. If you've ever felt stuck, one of these shifts might be the reason. So shift number one is a shift from holding on too long to letting it go. Good God Almighty. Yeah, here we go. So what you usually have, the church I grew up in when I was 9, 10, 11, 12, all the way till I graduated high school, uh, those leaders held on too long. Uh, many of them have gone on to be the Lord. They're, they're, when they were alive, they're still my good friends, but they held on too long. And they did not ever want to give the ministry away. Mm -hmm. One, because they were afraid. Two, because uh, of how they received power from other people. And so oftentimes leaders hold on too long. Now, there are legitimate reasons for holding on too long, at least in their minds. Number one, uh, they, they want to make sure they're stewarding the church well, and they don't want to give it to people who have passion, but no wisdom. Number two, maybe they're they're getting paid, and they don't know yeah. if they leave, what's going to happen to them, and if the guy beneath that follows them is going to take care of them. So there are a myriad of reasons why. But you have to identify what that issue is, and then come up with a game plan to make sure you are slowly giving the ministry away and giving other people opportunities that most of the time you never had as an older leader when people would give you opportunities to mm -hmm. teach, to lead, to influence, to facilitate at a younger age. So we must ask and answer the question, how do we slowly bring other younger leaders in yeah. so that they can, one, get exposure, 
Two, see some of the mistakes you're making. And then three, get some of their ideas because they're passionate too about this thing called the local church. Yeah, that's a whole that's a whole other episode about why we hold on too long, right? Mm-hmm. But we got to keep going. The next shift is from blame to taking responsibility. Ooh, 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 ooh. So oftentimes, um, I believe that leaders enjoy blaming. And we blame as to why the church is not going. We blame as to why it's not growing. We blame as to why things are not going the way it should be going. We blame the younger generation that they don't love God. They're too lazy. They don't want to um, uh, 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 pay the cost of development. And because of that, then they say, well, therefore, I'm just going to hold it on because literally... They don't really know. We don't really know what we're saying. But what we're really saying is we have arrived and have gotten it together. They have not. So then we're going to take um, the opportunity to carry it as long as we can. Mm -hmm. And hopefully they'll develop. Instead of owning it, taking responsibility and arguing, well, let me develop the next generation as opposed to blaming the next generation as to why they're not worthy Mm. to step into this role. It is a big deal. And it's our job to to develop them along the way, to carry them with us at different opportunities so that they can see what ministry looks like at a whole nother level, which they have no clue about, but they want to be in the game. And the only way you can get them in there is to let them see some of the flaws and mistakes that you make. And and really the next shift, number three, um, ties into that same one of letting them in the room. It's going from closed door meetings to open door meetings. Yeah. Yeah, and I I know what you're going to say, leaders over 40. You're going to say, well, they don't understand the sensitivity of the meeting. And, well, they talk too much, and they're going to go tell their friends everything they saw in the meeting. And all of that's fear-driven. Part of our responsibility is to develop them. That's to say, what happens in this room is supposed to stay in this room, and that's part of the development. That's when you know, okay, since they took it out of the room, maybe they're not not responsible enough yet to bring them in the room. Maybe what it is is you slowly – uh, coaching them, slowly discipling them, slowly mentoring them. So as you let them in the room, you say, hey, and you re- you remind them of that responsibility and then give them the opportunity and then you talk about it afterwards so they know the sensitivity of it. When a guy gets vulnerable, when a female gets yeah. vulnerable, they know that that's not to go tell everybody, but that's to know that they have allowed you to see their heart. You ought to wow. cherish that. <laughs> and then lastly, just remember for the when you're developing them, that they need to know that when they get in that room, it is an honor and it is a privilege that they really shouldn't have, but you're trying and trusting that you can develop them to go to the next level. That's so good. Um, Number four is a shift from looking at behavior to looking at the heart, looking at what they're doing versus what is going on on the inside. you got to help me with that one. Yeah, um, I've said this often. I don't even know where I got it from, but the folly of youth is passion. The folly of the middle-aged guy is pride, and the folly of the seasoned saint is um, is prejudice. And so, mm. part of the challenge with with our young generation is if they if they grew up in a home with a single parent, there's a lot of drama that goes on there, and there's a lot of fathering that didn't take place there. And so, they're not going to be as mature as you were in your generation growing up. And so you've got to watch. Yeah, some of them's going to have sex before they get married. Yeah, some of them's going to have acted a fool in college. Yes, some of them are going to have dated 10 people and still hooked to porn, all that. And so now you have to ask the question, okay, their behavior is not right. Does that mean they're now disqualified forever? 
or is part of discipleship, development, and mentoring a part of that process? And if it is, what does that look like? Because I argue that um, when you look at most of the guys in the Bible, they 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 drop the ball too, yep. and yet still God still used so them. Did. So how can we realize the the challenges that this generation has in their upbringing, and then? begin the discipleship process or looking for the heart, looking not for the behavior, but do they have a heart that's that's passionate about God? Are they weeping after they sin? Do they, are their hearts really broken after they realize that they disappointed God? Or is it a pattern that they just don't want yeah. to change? I think you've mm-hmm. got to look beyond the behavior and you got to look at heart, passion, and desire to see whether or not somebody is is not only qualified, but um, is healthy to move in the direction of development with you on your team. Oh, yes. Okay, number five. We're going to keep moving along because we've got a lot to go through is a shift from perfection to potential. Control part, freaks? Yeah, absolutely control <laughs> freaks. Part of our problem <clears throat> is we're looking for people who have it all together. We're looking for people who think just like us. We're looking for people who would solve the problem the way we would solve it. And I'm just telling you, in a, in a digital AI environment, it, it's just not the way they think anymore. And so what we have to look for is not whether they're perfect because they're not going to be and because you're not really. But now you got to look for, do they have the raw material mm-hmm. that says they have the potential to go to the next level? Uh, what, the questions I ask, I, I enjoy asking is, hey, just tell me what happened in elementary. Just tell me what happened in middle school. Just tell me about you in, in high school. And you'll see some things that God was using then when they didn't even know he was using it. But that's a good way to begin the process of evaluating them to see the potential. I would drop them in environments and just say, let me see what you're going to do when you get this assignment to lead. And just watch how yeah. they respond. And the reason you're doing those is because you're trying to see if they they one, they get the responsibility of what you do, of the assignment that you just gave them. Or number two, you're trying to see how they handle problems and and, and can they navigate mm-hmm. their way mentally through the problem. And number three, you're trying to see what happens when they make a mistake and can they recover from yeah. a mistake. So what you're doing is what I'm trying to do is just look for the potential in these guys instead of just writing people off. But since God didn't write me off, I want to make well, sure I don't write other people off as well. Don't we all know that? My um, God, we my all God, God. were, yes, we've all been through mm-hmm. that. Uh, ne- next one is um, we need to shift from attracting shepherds to attracting leaders. The difference between a shepherd and a leader. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the big opportunity here uh, is that for many of us, shepherds tend to be loyal shepherds Mm -hmm. tend to be slow paced shepherd Mm -hmm. tend to enjoy sitting with people and hearing their stories and helping them map out the way to solve those issues leaders just don't think that way leaders Mm -hmm. create chaos leaders try to solve problems their way that's yeah. it's never been solved before and so the leadership journey gets a little more messy and for many leaders over 40 it's tough to 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 deal with the mess leaders tend to tend to not care about people a whole lot but care about the mission and the goal and trying to resolve yeah. it well with that in mind it's not going to be as smooth a ride and a journey as with uh shepherds so your tendency is going to be to stabilize the church you want people who will just love people but to move the church forward you want leaders 
and and while the tension is in the middle and the goal is to get people who can lead and shepherd at the same time mm -hmm. that has to be developed it doesn't just show up so you've got to teach guys well you could have solved that problem a little differently and it wasn't as urgent as you thought it was which meant you could have cared for people much longer you're going to have to solve problems where they have to develop yeah. deep-rooted relationships so that they have a solid team so that they can move forward and when you're doing that it takes time which is why having them around you and going and walking this journey together becomes critical now i know what you're going to say well if i do that and then they leave and go to another church then i just wasted four years of my life pouring into them and what kind of person would do that and all of us have been hurt with that kind of stuff mm -hmm. but the truth of the matter is you, you, you don't have a lock on the person's life so you're trying to develop them, but in that development, That's you're right. hoping that they, 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 they honor up enough to know that this is a unique privilege that they have, but they don't always have to do that. And you can't get mad when they go do their own thing. Your job then is to say, God, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to not take one person on the journey. I'm going to take two, three, or four. And as we go down the journey, we'll see what God does. And part of the journey is a faith journey for you too, seasoned leaders, and it's a faith journey for them. And so let's not try to control, but mm. let's try to develop and then let God do the rest on the journey. I know wow. it's scary. It was for me too, but there's nothing more exciting to see somebody that you had a part in their development go on to do great things for God. Okay, number seven. Um, number seven is a little different. This one, mm -hmm. there might be, um, you, you might be, a, you might have a tendency to do better at this one if you're Jamaican, is what I'm thinking. <laughs> um, this might be the Jamaican principle here. <laughs> number seven is to move from over budget to over saving. My over God, budget today. to over saving. In other words, stop living over budget and start living over saving. Part of the big deal is the reason you get one guy oftentimes to walk with you is because you can only afford one guy. The reason you take too long, pastors over 40, the reason we take too long to leave is because we have to stay on the mm -hmm. payroll so we can take care of our family. Well, if you live under, under if you save more, yeah. then you have the ability to hire more than one person or you have the ability to pay stipends to some people. Now you can take three people on the journey with you and not just one. So that if one of them leaves and says, well, I got this unique thing, I got to go do it, your feelings are not hurt because you gave everything to that one person. And it prevents us from staying too long. If you can to keep two guys on the payroll for a season until you're taken yeah. care of and whatever you need to do gets done, now you can have another guy and there can be a, a reasonable transition and it doesn't have to be stop paying one person, start paying the other because money yeah. Most of the time is a part of the challenge why pastors stay too long and kill the churches that they're in as opposed to giving a younger person the opportunity to ramp up to getting on the main freeway because they had an on-ramp where they could do their work part-time and church part-time until you could afford them full-time. It mm. is a big deal that many people overlook, and I don't think we should anymore. Yeah. Wow, that's real. Um the next one is number eight. You alluded to this in one of the previous ones. Um, the next shift is a shift from I can't risk you hurting me mm -hmm. to a commit to developing you. Yeah, this is, or, or fear drives too many of our decisions and hence too many of our churches. And it's the fear of being hurt. And um, I was fortunate enough for uh, Jada and I to commit before we started our church that we would not let 
the last person that hurt us to cause that hurt to affect the next person that comes alongside us. I'm promising you, if you're a church planner, decide now that you will not let the last person that hurt you to affect how you interact with the next person that God blesses you with on your team, on your staff, on a part of the core team, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. The reason that's important is because here's the one thing I know, you're going to get hurt. It's yes. part of what you do when you pass through in anybody, you're going to get hurt. So knowing that up front, you've got to choose the fact that you're not going to let the last hurt influence the next new opportunity. And you got to commit that before God and you got to commit it yeah. with your family that we will not do it no matter what. If you do that, I promise you it will set you free because then you just know it's part of it. You're expecting it. You're not looking surprised when somebody decides, well, I, I know you had a private conversation and they decide to tell 50 people. I know when, when they decide it's time for them to leave and they didn't ask you, they just left all of the process. It it's part of God maturing you, the leader over 40. So don't get surprised by it. And number two, choose it as an opportunity to develop people. And then lastly, I said it already, don't develop just one. If you do, you're setting, up, you're setting yourself up for pain. Develop multiple so that when it's time for somebody to go and they didn't do it right and they, they, they stabbed you in the back, it's part of the process. Mm -hmm. You thank God. Thank God for your development with that knife in your back and keep developing others. Because the goal, listen now, is the kingdom, not you and not your individual church. If they go to another kingdom-minded place and they're growing for Jesus, God bless them. See you later. May God be with you. If they decide to do it well, then praise the Lord. We're trying to grow, and we're trying to grow the body of Christ better. One, one of my mentors told me one time, um, you're not, you're, you're, if you have more than one campuses, you're not the only church. And actually, God has a franchise model. So if they go down the street to another church, that's a part of God's franchise. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Yeah. Do not let it cause you to be bitter. Do not let it cause you to be mean. Do not let it cause you to malice people or to or to uh, or or to let your mind believe that they owe you for what mm. you have done for them. Good God Almighty. Yeah, I still can't get over the, the do it with the knife in your back part. Um, yeah, wow. All right, we're on the home stretch. We have two more. Um, the next one is a shift from solo living to doing life together. Cool. Boy, I tell you what. Now, most pastors know this. The, the Bible doesn't Bible doesn't know a lone ranger Christian. Part of what we do is we 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 live in community, and because we live in community, um, that's not just for the people. That's right. That's for pastors too. That's for senior leaders too. You don't just you don't just live in isolation. And part of that growing in community is growing the people under you and growing the young leaders under you. Yeah. So getting them alongside you and letting them see all of what ministry looks like. Uh, when mm. I was with or my, my spiritual father, the joy of it was simply saying, hey man, I get to see what to do. I get to see what not to do. I get to see what I can tweak to get better. That's the journey of learning. And it was my responsibility not to criticize how they did. It was my responsibility 
to be grateful that he allowed me to be in the room, which means he did ministry with me. It was grateful. I am grateful that I got to go on uh, trips with him where we drove down to different places to hear him speak. I'm glad sometimes I got to get about 4.30 in the morning to go on a drive. <laughs> but it's the journey that mattered. Right. And he just took me along with him, and I am forever, ever, ever grateful for that. If we were going out of town on a flight, whatever it was, I just got to be on the journey. I think too many of us, don't like to bring people on the journey. Or if we do, they're on the journey only to serve you, but not to and not to have deep discussions, whether they're theological, deep discussions where there are practical ministry opportunities and discussions that you can have, or just the opportunity for them to ask questions. And just a little point for the under 40, you must learn to ask questions. You must learn that when you get an hour with somebody, have some questions right. that you always That's have good. had before that you're ready to go down that path. But lead pastors, pastors over 40, we have to make sure that we're carrying and taking people along with us for the journey it's yeah. priceless for them it really is and we must teach them lastly how to go on these journeys what does this look like because there's some of them that's going to ask you questions the whole time and you'll be like oh my god be quiet already i don't need to hear got, i just need a time to reflect you must teach them what it looks like to go on a journey with you all right what do you got and that really leads in that that unlocks the last shift the last shift mm -hmm. is to go from limited thinking to limitless thinking yeah, that is where I think um, we are, we over 40 are arrogant enough to believe that, that we know enough mm -hmm. and that um, we have a lock on information. Yeah. And, uh, and I think so many times we, we miss unique opportunities or things that will, could be added to the environments that we get to create. And because we do, we don't, we don't glean from others. We don't ask them what they would do. We don't ask them, what do you think your generation needs? We don't, we, we're not learners of their generation as much as we're asking them to learn how we think. And because we're not, it ends up where our thinking is the only one that the audience gets to see and nobody else gets to see yeah. deeper thinking. And what that does is you will only attract people your age. You will not attract people the next generation. And therefore, you see it all the time. Churches grow, and then they get older, 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 and then everybody in the church is 60 and 70, and there's no young people in the church. Mm -hmm. That's because you were always, and you had a tendency to be very limited in opening up so that you can get uh, a wider cross-section of insights that will drive how you teach, how mm -hmm. you communicate, how you worship, how you create environments at all levels so that people can be one to Christ and grow up in Christ. It's a big deal, man. I promise you. We must. We must learn from church history that we must give it to the next generation better than we yeah, received it. Definitely. And the only way to do it is if we make sure we're taking them along the journey with us. Yeah, and, and what's the... So we just went through a bunch of shifts. What's mm -hmm. the best thing for a leader that's listening to this, that's over 40 to do? Do they just work on all these, find one or two? What do they need to do? The best thing you can do is find four to six young leaders and just give them the opportunity and say, I would like to disciple you and see if they'll come along on the there journey with you. The best thing you can do. And, and, and be open to what they have to say because they will help you understand the culture that you don't fully understand today. That's what I say. That's good. I, I that agree. Yeah, walk through it and uh, I think just listen to this. 
Um, have people around you, like you said, don't do this alone. Um, and figure out how you can pour into the next generation. Um, but the worst thing you can do is complain <laughs> and not get in the game and simply start developing other leaders. Yeah. Which means you need to you need to read more about how they think. You need to watch younger leaders and how they lead. And you need to know. And um, when you see one, you need to give them the opportunity to come on your team and start helping them become a better leader. The reason they're on your team is for you to help them navigate some of the same things you had to navigate. But your experience will teach them how to fly faster and further than you ever did the reason we're doing this is so that they don't have to have the same mistakes we had they don't have to make them and number two more importantly than anything else you get to set them up to take god's jesus's bride further than it's ever been before so and good. you have that opportunity the question is will you take advantage of it or will you think the church is all about you your thoughts your heart and what you see that's Hope good. that helps, man. Hope that, that is helps. so good. And this was part two. If you missed part one, go back and listen to that. You can hear it on wherever you listen to podcasts, on Apple, Google, Spotify, or on our webpage where we talked about the younger generation. This was the more seasoned generation, mm -hmm. but it's generational leaderships no matter which generation you're in. We want to thank you so much. We're grateful that you would just pause and hang out with us today and listen to this. We encourage you to download the show notes at visit1cc.com slash leadership roundtable so that you can walk through this with some other people that are close to you in ministry um, to help walk together and see how you can grow together. You bet you. And just don't forget, you, if I were you, I would make sure I'm here the 25th through right. the 27th of January. It's always the last weekend in January. We have this Climb Leadership Conference. You don't want to miss it. We spare no expense to get the best leadership faculty here yep. we can. You don't want to miss it. And don't come alone. Love you guys. Thanks See you next time. You bet. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. It has been an honor to have you here with us. Now, just want to remind you that all of the resources we talked about today are available online at visit1cc.com slash leadership roundtable. Now, if this has been helpful, leave us a review, go out there and hit subscribe, and more importantly, share this with your team so that everybody can grow. We can't wait to see you next time.